Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. You know, I I am the kind of kid that grew up with comics. I grew up with fantasy. It was my way in my world, especially a kid growing up that stuttered, uh, being learning different. What were the ways that I got engaged in life or got engaged, period? Well, it was the world of, shall I call it fantasy, but maybe not even so much. Whether it came in the form of movies or whether it came in the form of comic books, here's the deal. It came in the form of great stories. You know, see, this is the one thing I could relate to as a kid. Today, I am so thrilled to have all of you, all of you meet Fionn Fox Faraday, winner International Impact Book Award in Romance. And thank goodness, a great book about romance. Today, you're going to hear about this incredible book, Karen. Mates of the Alliance. Now, why am I so excited about this? Because not only is this right up our alley, but it takes us on a journey of a powerful, powerful message. And for those of you out there, you're going to meet a woman that stepped into this world, that took on and moved beyond whatever was going on in the world around us for the past three years and stepped forward with her background in medicine and family members serving in World War II, Vietnam, just like, just like I've shared with all of you. But this is a way to bring conversations and stories together. Mates of the Alliance, Mates of the Alliance, this is something I want you to remember. Today, I want to introduce you to someone that just goes beyond writing a book, but takes us on a journey so that you can feel what the characters in the book feel, so that you can imagine yourself in the unimaginable. But then what happens when maybe two of the most unlikely folks get together? What do you get? You get an award-winning book, a great story, and a time to really be present in the world of something that brings a powerful message and still takes you on a journey of universal planetary energy. It's so great to have you here. Thank you, Fionn. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me on. I've been looking forward to talking with you. Um, my childhood is exactly like I just described. And, and, and so you can imagine how I felt when I, when I saw the book trailer, right? Uh, first of all, thank you for doing a book trailer. Um, I, I wish everybody did a book trailer. But thank you for doing that because, you know, b- besides reading the book and besides being there, besides being in such a beautiful place of romance, is this is my opinion, by the way, you're also bringing a book to the forefront that was so important to bring. But let's talk about you, if we could, for a minute. You know, a lot of times when we hear about books like this, stories like this, 
they come from people that so are in the groove of this. They don't usually come from people that are in a different profession, that have busy careers, and, and I'm not quite sure why, but that's not really the whole story for you, is it? Because something touched your heart. You saw some things in this COVID world that really busted open your heart, didn't you? It has been a rough year, a couple of years, of course, for all of us. Um, a couple of years, back in 2020, I had a medical scare, and they put me on no call for six weeks and no work responsibilities for two weeks. And I kind of watched every single television show, binge-watched, read all my to-be-read books. And then when I came back, it was in the midst of the first wave of COVID. And it was, as and, you know, I don't have to say it, it was truly awful for everybody. And, you know, you know, I'm an ICU doc, and I have it easier than a lot of the staff in the unit because I come by and I check on my patients for maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes at a time, and then I move on to the next patient. A lot of my good friends are ICU nurses, and how the ICU generally works is they have two people, two patients, and they spend 12-hour shifts with them continuously. And this was, when we first started, the patients weren't allowed to have visitors. So their sole means of support, emotional support, were the nurses. And these nurses got to know these patients, and a lot of the patients were family members of each other. We lost families. It was awful. And, you know, it was hard to leave that at home. And, you know, the ICU nurses were so dedicated. It was, and I take my, I can't say enough about them. They were amazing people. And a lot of them got burnout because they commit so much to this. So it was hard to leave work at home. And I'd come home and I would watch TV and that didn't do anything because it was just too much stress and you'd bring work home with you. So I started to write. And I wanted to write something where, you know, there was a thread of hope and we didn't have enough the right technology, we didn't have enough medications, the right medications to save these people. And I wanted to write something where it was a different world and it was a catastrophe, but we had the means to save people. And I wanted to give us hope and everyone loves a good romance, something to make them smile. And, you know, hope gets us through it. Otherwise, gosh, the last couple of years. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, even today, it's so interesting you and I are talking about this. Um, and I want to just make sure everyone knows, Fiona, that as we're, you and I are talking, I want to make sure people know that you all can go to Amazon, please. And if you're listening to this, please follow along, because there's something that you'll find. You'll see the imagery that we're going to be talking about. And when you go to Amazon, you're going to be looking for Mates of the Alliance book, Uh K-A-I-R-N, when we say the word Karen, K-A-I-R-N, Fionn Fox Faraday, of course, this is an award-winning book, but it's more than that. When you go to look here, whether it's Amazon or any other place, you'll see the imagery. And the imagery is so important. It is important in the world we live in today. It's also important when you hear me say the following, I hope that this book is made into a movie. (laughs) That's (laughs) I I don't know if that's like on the horizon, but I'm telling you, this would be one of those things that I could see people relating to for a lot of reasons. I want to ask you this question in writing the book without giving away the whole book. This Mm -hmm. is a romance novel. This is a book that engages people beyond this, but it's also a really cool story 
that takes us to a place where millions of people really want to go now. They want to go to this place and look at intergalactic stuff. They, they we're fascinated by it, right? What oh, was gosh. about this this venue that fascinated you? Because you could have written this story in another way, maybe. But no, you really took it to the place that I live. Tell me about that. I've always loved science fiction. And, you know, I grew up on Star Trek and Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> and, it was, you know, that series was ahead of its time. Because, you know, back then when it first started, and, you know, we didn't have, you know, multiracial crews working together or romances. Oh, and. Right. It showed that, and it showed the camaraderie and the brotherly love, sisterly love between the entire crew. And I wanted to draw upon that. And, you know, part of the this book, it's it's a romance, but it's also a bromance as well. Because, yes, it is. Yeah, because, you know, Karen's crew, is until he meets Daria, is the only family he's known yep. for decades, years. And they will do anything for each other. And I think that, I hope that comes through in the book. Yes, they it does. Absolutely like family it does come through and that's really why i ask you the question because it comes through in a way that and i'm with you about star trek i'm i'm with you about anything that's related to that um and you know so far ahead of its time and see again what you're doing is you're really bringing forth the camaraderie that we have seen across the board now i mean these are the stories I think we are not going to keep telling. And for so many of us, we know the effects of COVID are not over. I mean, we yeah. know they're not over. I mean, what did we wake up with today? The president uh, right now today. All of us who went through three years of not getting COVID got COVID afterwards, right? But that's not the whole story. The whole story is, you know, when you look at, in your words, if I may say, a world bitterly divided, right? Because this, this is some of the language in here. I thought, what is she talking about? You captured that so beautifully. What is it that we could learn if we just look at uh, Karen for a minute? What can we learn from that level of bromance camaraderie? What, what is the underpinning power that this team is showing us? There is a scene early on in the book, and it's when Karen is first addressing the uh, representatives of the Earth governments, and they're all clamoring for their share of the water and their share of the resources that he's bringing to try and salvage what's left of Earth. Mm-hmm. And they bring up something along the lines because he's um, he's got silver hair fur, and they make somebody makes a really <clears throat> nasty comment about, well, we know we trust you, but what about these other fur-colored uh, crew members of yours? And he's taken <laughs> aback because. And he's very disappointed and disillusioned with them because his, on his crew, they don't judge by, you know, hair color or fur color or hair color. They judge by merit and character. And as he puts it, you know, I thought you had too. And he's thinking in the back of his head, you are more primitive and not as advanced as I had hoped, unfortunately. And, you know, that's emphasized through the book that, you know, it, all the superficial differences don't matter. What matters is who we are underneath, our character, you know, loyalty, you know, faithfulness. And he values everybody based on that. And it's very clearly drawn out in that book. And he also wants to help them, but help out earthlings, humans. But he doesn't want to give them a handout. 
he wants to give them a hand up. Yeah. Basically, you know, teach them to fish. You feed them for a lifetime. If you give them a fish, they, you only feed them for a day. We've got, there's a difference, and we've got to find we've got to we've got to make sure they understand that. Yeah, I mean, this is for me. First of all, I I thought about it as I'm reading the book. I thought about I I just am so excited to be speaking with you because I too grew up with quite the imagination, right? Influenced early on, like you were uh, influenced, and I I'm very grateful for being learning different because being learning different meant I couldn't read or write. I stuttered most of my teenage years, and off I went. And so I was able to get immersed in the story. This is a beautiful story, but it's also powerful. And it is a story that goes beyond the bromance, but it goes to a point of connection between Daria and Karen. And I want to talk for a minute about what was in your heart. What was in your heart when you saw the vision for the connection between these two people? Well, they're two, even though they're, you know, superficially extremely different. Underneath it all, they're both, you know, looking for someone that will see them for who they are and, you know, completely accept them, embrace them. And, you know, Karen's, despite all of his, his brothers, he mm-hmm. is very lonely and he never knew that a romance, that, uh, this kind of love was possible. Just what you know, they're a warrior uh, breed or species, and they are the point of the spear for their uh, alliance. And they've just never—it's not usually in the cards for them. And he's been dreaming of her. And when he first sees her, it's—it is kind of an insta love on his part, but it's not on hers. It takes her a while to see past the initial superficial differences. The first time he smiles at her, she, all she sees is teeth huge fangs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and to know him because he, he basically finds out what's important to her and tries to do things for her that she would value, and that's what really wins her heart. And it's just, it's people who really know you and accept you for what you really are. And it's a, it's a story of hope, and also, you know, you have this huge alien who's, you know, physically very imposing. And there's a scene in the back of the book where all the tech that they have is not enough. Mm. And she saves his life. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hope and training very hard. She saves his life. Yeah. See, that's what I love about this. That's mm-hmm. what I love about this. Um, beyond that, and th- this, this is a sneak peek, I think, at what's to come, Fiona, and I think we'll talk about that more. But one of the things I loved, I'm reading through the book, and for a moment, tell me if I'm off on this. Um, I'm reading through the book, and at the same time, I, I'm just listening to the nattering that's going on as to whether people believe climate, uh, the, the things going on in our world and the earth and climate are even real. I mean, I'm, I'm just hearing these conversations that this is some kind of crazy thing that we're making up yet. You turn around and you look at the Tour de France that's going on right now in three-digit heat in, yeah. in parts of the country that you can't even imagine. Um, you're looking at the, the Pacific Northwest that's having here where I live an unusual summer. People here are grateful for it. But then you're looking on the East Coast and other places and they're like, please, we got to get some relief. And so I'm reading in the book, even though this is not about climate, it is about, uh, what is it? A, 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 help me with the pronunciation. Is it Ikori? 
or Icori worship. Icori. Yeah. Yes. And I'm reading about this, and for a moment, oh my gosh, what are you really describing here? Am I reading too much into it? <laughs> Um, and more so in the rest of the books, uh, what is woven through the entire series is stewardship, stewardship excuse me, of the planet. We only have one planet. We need to take good care of it. Or how do we expect her to take care of us? And, you know, there's so much that we have done to the planet already. And uh, China is, you know, an, a, an economic giant. But yeah. to do that, they have completely destroyed their country. They have pumped out God knows how much pollution. That country will never be the same. And they've managed to damage the planet for the rest of us on top of it. And, you know, we are, to a large degree, we're sort of, we live in the moment. We don't always see the big picture. And, you know, we have, I have family in Texas. They have temperatures of a, about 110, 115 degrees in the shade. Yeah. That we've got to wake up and smell and and see what we're doing, and yeah. you know it's hopefully we've not passed the point of no return. There is a movie, and I know most people have heard of it, "The Day the Earth Stood Still," not oh, yes. the remix, the original. Oh my God, and I love I, it. Exactly, and I always, I was a little kid. I can remember the first time I saw it, and I can remember <laughs> thinking, there is a big warning post at the end of the at the edge of our solar system, all around, saying, "Warning, keep away." Yeah. They are a danger to themselves, and it might be contagious at this point. And we just need to, you know, climate change is real. And, you know, you have to, you can't explain what's going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have, we're having huge solar flares, which is part of the reason. Oh, yeah. Probably why the temperature is ridiculous. But, you know, our oceans are polluted. Our lakes are polluted. It's, it's, our, it's our home. We need to take better care of it. Somebody asked me an interesting question, and I, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to digress too much. But somebody asked me an interesting question a couple of weeks ago in an interview, and they asked me a question because they know that I started the Green Challenge over a dec- over two decades ago, and a bunch of other things like that. And my experience comes from living on the East Coast and stepping on a hypodermic needle as I was walking on the beach in the Jersey Shore. And, you know, they asked me, they said, Pat, what do you think it's going to take? Now, I'm reading your book, and I'm reading this with a level of consciousness between the characters, if I might use that word. Just this level of consciousness. You know, whether they are the, what I call intuitive thoughts of Daria, or, or they are other things, whether they are the ambassadors that are out there, whether they are some of the characters, Dr. Watson, wh- whatever it is that's in here, there's a level of awareness that I tuned into of the, the characters in this book that if we could have 10% of this level of awareness, I wonder what we could do with it. I'm, oh. I mean, let me ask you about that, because you, from my perspective, you, instill, you, you really instilled that level of awareness and consciousness purposefully, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's a scene where they meet some <clears throat> sentient am- animals, and as the series goes along, you meet a lot of different types of animals who become actually fairly major characters, and some of them steal scenes on a regular basis. 
And at the end of the book, you meet um, the the his ex uh, Karen's ex O, his best friend, mm-hmm. uh, his uh, animal companion, and. You know, we're so, it's arrogant to believe that we're the only sentient life on the planet, let alone the universe. Yeah. And, you know, we don't give the other life on this planet enough credit. Yeah. And some of the things that we do, uh, for instance, and this is a, a bit of a left field thing, mm-hmm. I an island in Hawaii, and I'd never been around large animals. And I ended up, my husband had a cattle ranch or farm, and we, they're beef cattle, and uh, these animals are amazing, they are on the, they will, if you interact with them a lot, they become more attuned to you, and they're very smart, and they're like a very large dog, you just have to be careful, because it's about a 1800, he or she is an 1800 pound dog, but, you know, we take so many things for granted, or we are willfully blind sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, by the way, when I answered the question, the host that was interviewing me called me, what did he call me? Ageist. Because my answer was the following. I said, well, I think to start here in government in the United States and across the world, that most seats of political power really will need to be filled by people that are 30 years old. <laughs> and he, he's like, I didn't know you were an agent. I said, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you're 30 years old, you're looking at your life and you're thinking to yourself, by the time I'm 40, I may not have a planet to live on. If you're Mm -hmm. 60, 70 years old, you're looking at your life and you're saying, I'm going to be off the planet anyway. And I said, it has really just has less to do with age. It has more to do with the degree by which you consider looking at the world as something beautiful and doing something to save it. And that's the sense I got from the book, too. Yes. And, you know, part of the thing is, you know, I grew up on an island, and I'm not much of a, I don't get in the water, per se, but I absolutely love the ocean. And, you know, uh, there are so many parts of the ocean that are basically dead. They have no oxygen in them. So you can't have any marine life. And part of it is, you know, the contamination, the, the... um, organophosphates and whatnot, the fertilizers and whatnot that we pour into the oceans and you get algae blooms. But I'm going to get sidetracked. But basically, you know, there, uh, I wanted to, this is, you know, I wanted to write something in an ideal world. So mm-hmm. we have, you know, in this book, we have scrubbers that we can convert carbon dioxide into oxygen. Yes. You know, and uh, we, in the, some of the other books, uh, they find a way to restore the oxygen to the dead parts of the ocean. And it's one of those things that, you know, if only, if only is such a powerful or, and frustrating at the same time phrase, uh, people need to be more conscious because, you know, we live in the moment and you're right, you know, uh, people who are older just kind of, you know, they, they, what they need to do is think about, you know, what about my kids? What about my grandkids? What do I, what am I, what is going to be left for them? And, you know, I, Sometimes when I speak with some friends who are younger, they are like, we don't want to have kids because we're afraid what, what we'd be bringing them into. Oh, and my that's gosh. A, yeah. That's yeah. A, just sad commentary. It is. And, you know, and, and I can't help 
by, first of all, um, the way that you take us on this journey is a beautiful way to take us on this journey. So, uh, you know, even though you and I are pointing some things out, I want to get to the romance part of this right now. But before I do, look, how do people get a copy of the book? How do they find out about you? How do they find out what's coming next? Let's give folks some information if we could. Uh, the website is Mates of the Alliance, no spaces, and uh, it is available on both Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Uh, the odd thing is, you know, when you write a book, you kind of fall in love with the characters. That's why yeah. you write, I suppose. <laughs> but it's funny because uh, I can, I, my, I don't have a favorite book. Every every book that I'm writing currently, mm-hmm. usually favorite book. I do have a really soft spot for books two and three mm-hmm. because. They just rung rung a chord, and I had a friend who was molested very badly when she was a child, and Mm. that just—I wanted to write it for her. I want to thank you for doing all of this. The other thing is, I want to ask you this question because it does come through, and it comes through loud and clear. I mean, sometimes we love the most odd people in the world of the way our friends look at us, the way we like—we do. But we do fall in love. We do have that place. We do get to the place of our hearts opening. We do see beyond superficiality in so many ways. And that's what I love about what you've done. Well, you know, unfortunately, we're kind of conditioned to look for certain things by, and I hate to say it, by the media and what's in uh, the Internet as to what is our standard of beauty. Yeah. And, you know... Yes, hum, you know, we're human, and we are attracted perhaps initially physically. But what keeps you with someone is who they are. And sometimes, you know, when you look, the most, and this is going to sound uh, generalizing, and I'm sorry, the most beautiful people sometimes don't have the best personalities. Not all. It's mm-hmm. a generalization. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what the, the people who you really end up falling in love with are the ones who get to know you and love you for who you are and accept you completely. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the best person in the room. It's, and it's also a personality thing because um, you need to be engaged. They need to first, and it may be physical initially, but then they need to win your mind and your heart goes along with it. You know, if you're engaged, if they make you laugh, if they make you think, if they make you smile and look forward to seeing them all the time, that's, that's magic right there. And it may be, you know, that's another word for it is love. And that applies for friends as well. Yeah. I want to thank you for doing that. I want to thank you for bringing all the characters to life. Some we didn't even talk about today. But I would encourage people to go ahead and get the book, right? Yes, please. I, you know, I think one of the biggest compliments you can have, or I can, I can imagine, is someone who goes, you know, when I read your book, it made me smile, and it gave me a sense of hope, and I'm going to read it again because it made me feel good. Yeah, that's me. And, and I'm going to, you know, wait for the movie, too. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you said that because it's currently being converted into a screenplay. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, I can't thank you enough for being able to really bring this beautiful, beautiful story, but it's also a powerful story. And it's a powerful story that has so many different messages throughout it. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. Again, please tell folks how they can find out about you and how they can get a copy of the book. 
the website is Mates of the Alliance, no spaces, and it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble as an ebook. The paperback will be released uh, hopefully in late September. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. One last question. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? Gosh, I mean, there's so much going on right now. You know, I, I was getting to the point where I was trying not to read the headlines because it was just so I know. disturbing. But, you know, if you look, and if, you may have to look hard, but there is hope, and, it, and that's what's going to get us through this. And we're going to get through it together, and we just have to, you know, we can do anything when we actually put our minds to it. We just have to have enough people who get to that point and say, you know, this is what we need to do, and we're going to do it now, and that's just it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not really a choice. I love it. Thank you so much. I look forward to the next time we speak because we've got lots more to talk about. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Pat. I really appreciate that. You bet. Let's take a short break, everybody. Get the book. You'll see what I'm talking about. We'll see you in a few minutes. Welcome to the Be Happy Now show. Flex your soul connection muscle and be your inner guide to fulfillment and purpose. I'm Claudia Sam. If you know that you're here for a bigger reason, this is the place to be. Together, we ditch the self-care guilt and quit the go-go-go with less fear and more trust. Tune in to living life in alignment with your full potential. The Be Happy Now show starts now. Hi, welcome back to the show. Today's all about self-love 101. And if you're like, well, Claudia Sam, I don't love myself every day. How do I even love myself on days when I don't feel there yet? (laughs) Oh, I know. Sometimes it can feel like someone asking you to marry them on the first date, right? We are wanting to rip the Band-Aid off. We want to go straight to self-love when we don't really feel we're even there a little bit. Don't worry. I'm going to take you through it. And if you feel like you're in that energy slump of loving yourself, well, you're really at the right place. I'm Claudia Sam. I'm your soul connection coach, host of the Be Happy Now show. And this is an episode where I get to share with you a text I wrote on what self-love is to me. And I'm going to share with you the foundations of what self-love is to me so that you can be inspired and motivated and perhaps reconnect with your worthiness to feel loved by you. And I really believe that self-love is the foundation of health, of growth, of success, of happiness, of abundance, of positivity, and of inner peace. That from this foundation of self-love, we get to embody the person we wish to be in the world, the person we wish to be with others in the world as well. And if it's the first time listening to the show, welcome. Welcome. If we have never met yet, well, I'm your soul connection coach and I support driven, ambitious leaders and guides who deep down know that they're here for a bigger reason. They know, you know, perhaps that you want to live life with your passion. You want to be able to lead your life 
from this place of passion. And to do that, maybe we get to dig a little bit deeper into the well of your inner self-confidence so that that can transpire and just be what emanates the energy that emanates out from your core being. So I support clients one-on-one or in groups. I also host the Soul Connector Circle, which is pretty much a group-based environment where you get to receive daily pocket coaching to be on your way to more self-love every day, to have motivation and coaching from me every day. And by listening to the show, you get your first month at 50% off. So if you're like, yep, I want to try that. I'm on the go and I want to receive daily pocket coaching, then go to soulconnectorcircle.com and use the code radio 50 and you'll be in. Okay. I want to start by sharing with you the text that I wrote, because it might just bring us into the groove of what self-love is for me and anything I share here. I want you to know that you get to take my words and use what resonates with you and just leave out the rest. You also get to create your own definition and meaning of whatever I say. Maybe you take what I say and you make something new with it. And that is great. Okay. All right. So let's sit comfortably, allow yourself to just receive the words that I'm going to share with you and notice what emotion, what feeling, what experience you're getting from receiving these words. Okay. And if you've been here before, because I was talking to you, if you were new, but if you've been here before, thank you so much for listening or watching the Be Happy Now show. Okay. Ready? Let's take a deep breath in together. Exhale everything. Inhale through the nose. Open the mouth to exhale. If you want to receive these words, close your eyes. You might, you might want to close your eyes. You might also want to bring your hands to your heart as an act of self-love to receive these words of self-love. It's like your inner higher self speaking to you. Self-love is a part of you. It's a place you go within. It's an inner knowing. It's who you are. Even if you forgot, self-love is what you've got. Look up to the moon and notice if it's waning or waxing, if it's lit up or awaiting. Then look down to your heart and notice it's still beating. Notice if it's lit up or awaiting. And from that place, remember that self-love, even if tucked far away, it's still there ready for you to lift the veil. The veil of shoulds, coulds, have tos, and need tos. The veil of expectation and rejection. The veil of pessimism and other isms. You were born with the right to be loved, to give love. And the first person to replenish by your love is you. Self-love happens when you nourish your body with the breath consciously. Self-love happens when you eat intentionally. Self-love happens when you stop internalizing and embrace your emotions emotionally. Self-love is knowing when to stop. Self-love is standing tall with confidence connected to your inner power. 
and taking action from that place within, from that place within that exudes worthiness and belonging. Self-love is a place you go whenever others aren't mirroring your value. Self-love is that energy you access when it feels like the world outside you wants to fail you. Self-love is the inner landscape you get to connect with in any experiment. That landscape you uncover corner by corner, inch by inch, moment after moment. That inner landscape that has no memory of the forgetful and the optimal abundance of the elegance of the divine. Self-love is that part of you that says yes to what's in alignment. Self-love is that part of you that knows what feels all right. That intuitive knowing that vibrates at the frequency of light. That aligned feeling you get when life feels just right. Self-love is a part of you. It's a place you go within. It's an inner knowing. It's who you are. Take a deep breath in. Hold the breath. Feel expansive from within. And exhale to let it go and let these words sink deep within. love to know what your experience was of hearing these words. And I feel like the list of what self-love is could go on and on and on and on. I just feel like my earring might be creating extra sound here on the microphone. So I'm just taking it off. Okay. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> the list of these, what self-love is meaning or definitions could go on and on and on. And this is just me, what felt in alignment for me to write just 15 minutes before the show was live, because it felt like I felt poetic and I felt like self-love is so many things. And what I want to bring to you today is are three words that you can anchor into so that self-love isn't a, a poem that you get to listen to once in a while, which of course, that's what you get to do. And you could also use these three words I'm going to share with you as the foundations of self-love. So if on any given moment, at any given moment, you feel a little low on the self-love meter, you get to remember these three words and then realign yourself because there are moments in our cycle, in the 24-hour day, in the year, in the week, that we might feel lower on the energy scale. We might feel like we need someone else. We need the love to come from outside of us. We might need for validation and reassurance from others. And that's okay. What I feel is the most important is the well of self-love that is always there and always accessible within you is that you get to be at choice. You get to choose whether you allow that validation and the reassurance to come from outside at times. And at other times when it comes from within you, at least, you know, it's there and you get to constantly choose where the love is coming from. 
Which brings me to share with you the first word of three that could help you with the foundations of self-love. The first word is choice. Choice in the extent that you get to set boundaries for yourself. You get to choose what you say yes to and what you say no to. You get to be at choice about what drains your energy and what uplifts your energy. You get to choose what thoughts what that you have, what reactions or actions that you have or take. You get to choose how you treat yourself, what foods you nourish your body with. You get to choose to be present with your breath or to be present with a Netflix show. You get to choose whether you let the mind voice, the head voice lead the way, or whether it's the heart voice and the intuition. Choice is such a powerful word. Even if some people might say that you, we don't really choose, the choices are already laid out in front of us. I find that we are empowered beings that until we know, until we are aware that we are at choice, it's kind of like we let life run itself when we could actually be so much more well at choice and in control when we feel like things are out of control. So choice is a word that I'm inviting you to use as a, as a foundation for self-love. When it comes to setting boundaries, if you feel like something you usually do that feels not well, right, doesn't feel right. It feels draining. It feels too much. It feels like, oh, I don't want to do this or oh, that again. Anytime you find yourself in that energy or thinking these thoughts, remember that they are there as an indicator. And then you get to choose, oh, wait, if this action I'm about to take is draining me, then can I choose something else? Can I make another choice, another decision that feels more in alignment with my heart? And by choosing whatever feels in alignment with your heart, that is an act of love towards yourself. That's an act of love towards yourself. Okay. Knowing when to stop is also a beautiful way to set boundaries and to be at choice when you are, or if you find yourself always on the go, 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 if you find yourself using the word busy, when someone asks you, how are you? And you say, I'm good. I'm busy. I'm good, but busy. We're not making this wrong. I'm just shining a light on the fact that you get to be busy and aware. And when it feels like it's too much, when it feels like, wow, this is going to take me to burnout, I can see it, I can feel it, then you get to be at choice. You get to know when to stop. That is an act of love and that is being at choice. So if you're, if you're thinking, if you came in here listening to the Be Happy Now show and this episode thinking, I'm going in front of the mirror and I look at myself and I can't tell myself that I love myself. It just doesn't work. The vibration of energy isn't exchanged properly. It just feels so false, like I'm lying to myself. I get it. So notice how being at choice isn't necessarily about going in front of the mirror and declaring your love to yourself or marrying yourself. It's, it can be about choosing what to say yes to, what to say no to, setting boundaries so that your energy can be uplifted instead of draining or, okay, please know that if you choose something that's draining, but it's, you're choosing it 
because that's what you want right now, then that's fine. And we're releasing the judgment around it. And knowing when to stop when you are so used to being busy is also a beautiful act of self-love. So again, the word is choice. One of the three words I'm going to share with you. If you're just joining us, I'm Claudia Sam, your soul connection coach, and this is the Be Happy Now show. And we are talking about self-love 101 and three words that I'm offering up to you as the foundations of self-love. The first word being choice. The second word is awareness. Yes, awareness. Right now, what is the one thing that you are actively doing and that you might not notice? Could be that your heart is beating. Yeah. What about the breath? You're breathing. You're blinking. And sometimes even blinking, we're not noticing that we're blinking. I want to bring your attention to the breath. The breath is this life force that animates the body, that replenishes us with oxygen, and that releases the carbon dioxide, releases the toxins that the body no longer needs. How powerful is that? When we are in awareness with the breath and everything else that's happening in our body and our mind and with our emotions, that is also an act of self-love. Because with awareness, we grow with awareness. We can set boundaries and we can even be at choice with awareness. We get to make decisions that make us happy. And with awareness, we slowly get to be in front of the mirror and look at ourselves and say, I love you. That's my goal for you to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and go, wow, I love you. And for it to come from the heart, because it's possible. Okay. There are days when I, okay, granted, I glance, I get off bed, out of bed and I go brush my teeth and I look up and I don't even, I just cross eyes with myself. And some days I'm like, oh, right. I'm here. And I lock eyes with myself and I take the time to be aware of the moment. I take the time to be at choice with the moment and to choose to look at myself in the mirror and to lock eyes with myself and eventually to say, I love you to myself. When we're talking about awareness, I want to mention um, the awareness wheel, which you might have heard me speak about in previous episodes of the Be Happy Now show. The awareness wheel includes the body, the mind, and the emotions. And it's a wheel because when it comes to awareness, you can begin or enter the, uh, the wheel at any place. You can start by being aware of the headache that you have, or you can start to be aware of the pressure that you need to do more or the whatever thoughts that are keeping alive the busyness. For example, you could also enter the awareness wheel, noticing a feeling of unworthiness or a feeling of being judged or unsatisfied, you get to enter the awareness wheel at any point. So when it comes to being aware, or when it comes to the word awareness, remember that you get to be aware with everything. You can choose to be aware of the senses right now. Look around you, be aware of the color that stands out at you. When we focus on that one thing, I bet you, you weren't necessarily thinking about the unworthiness. 
We are training the mind to focus on something and we are slowly training the mind to be able to say, I love you to yourself. So by being at choice about setting boundaries for yourself, saying yes to yourself and saying no to things that drain you, that is an act of love. So is being aware, being in awareness. And it starts with the breath. Because it's this thing that is the life force. When we are aware of the breath, we lengthen the breath. We lengthen the inhale and we lengthen the exhale. My Guruji's Guruji in Nepal. So my teacher's teacher in Nepal would say that we are born with a set amount of breaths. And so the yogi's lives, the yogi's life is extended because of the length of the inhale and the length of the exhale that is longer. And in Tantra yoga, which is the tradition that I learned in Nepal when I lived there in 2016 and 2017, in Tantra yoga, there the breath is you inhale for a set amount of time, let's say a count of four, then you hold the breath And then you exhale longer than the inhale. So if you think about it, that goes in alignment with what my Guruji's Guruji was saying about, you know, we are born with a set amount of breath of breaths. And I'd love for you to experience how much being aware of breath is an act of self-love, especially when you're stuck in the overthinking overwhelm or when the mind is just going at it with self-criticism, with judgment, with pessimism, with fear, name it. This type of breath can really help calm you down and release anxiety. Would you like to try it? Okay. We're going to inhale for a count of four. We're going to hold the breath for a count of three, and we're going to exhale for a count of five. Sounds good. Follow my lead. Exhale everything. And You're breathing through the nose. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Hold one, two, exhale, five, four, three, two, one. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Retain. Exhale, five, four, three, two, One again, notice the transition between the exhale and the inhale. Hold the breath and notice the transition again as you exhale. Beautiful. Now come back to normal breath. Just notice right now the state of your being. Notice the energy you're in. Notice how much calmer just after three conscious breaths. By being aware of the breath, by entering the awareness wheel, either at being aware of your body, how the body feels, what is the discourse in the mind, or what emotions you are experiencing, by being aware of any and all of that, this it is an act of self-love, and you get to walk more towards loving yourself completely, okay? The third word, so we had choice, awareness, and now alignment. When I say alignment, 
I mean, being okay with what you said before now, with what you did before now, before with being okay with who you were before now, being okay with what is instead of ruminating or judging or being guilty, feeling guilty about what you said or did or meant to be. Releasing the guilt, releasing the shame, releasing the judgment, and being in alignment with who you really are, with what is in the present moment, with what is in the essence of your soul. That is being in alignment. Another way to say this would be being in alignment with what feels right in the essence of you get to either be busy or you get to be be. You just get to be. You get to be busy or you get to slow down. You get to be in an energy of doing or you get to be in an energy of being. You get to choose, depending on the moment, what feels right. If you want to be in the go, 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 and you want to take action from the energy of, I need to feel productive, when you know that this comes from an energy of doing and you're okay with it, let go of the guilt and shame and just be with that. Be in alignment with what feels right in the moment for you. And being in alignment is all about honoring your soul, honoring the divinity, the energy of your words, the energy of you as a being. Because before we were human, we were energy and we still are energy and you can still feel energy. If you just rub your palms together right now, by rubbing the palms together, we are well creating heat and we could go on and on and on with this, but very slowly stop and then separate the hands like a few centimeters apart or an inch and feel the push and pull magnetic sensation. That is energy and the energy extends beyond your fingertips. And when you can be in alignment with the source of who you are, the soul self, the energy realm of who you are as a divine being, that is also an act of self-love because you're descending from the head to the heart. You're moving out of the busy and into the being. This is an act of love towards you. You are accessing what feels right to you, what feels in alignment with your soul self. So the three words that can be your foundation for more self-love are choice, awareness, and alignment. I would love to hear your thoughts and how this whole perhaps new way of seeing self-love feels for you. And I want to leave you with an affirmation instead of looking at yourself in the mirror and lying to yourself in a way saying, I love you to you when you don't fully love yourself, maybe add a few words that can help you. For example, a look at yourself and say, I am working towards loving you. I'm working towards loving you and being fully honest with yourself. That is also an act of love. Thank you so much for being here with me on this episode of the Be Happy Now show. And again, if you feel like you want to mm, receive daily pocket coaching to keep your new self-loving habits on track, then join me in the Soul Connector Circle at 50% off of your first month. Use the code RADIO50. Go to soulconnectorcircle.com 
And I'd love for you to join me in this dance between ego and soul so that you can nourish yourself with more self-love on a daily basis, get out of the head, access the heart, find that alignment with that divinity, with that energy of your soul self, and be at choice about whether you get to be aware of the head voice or the heart voice. It's pretty much um, gathering everything we've talked about today it is the dance between ego and soul. It's a 30-day challenge for free that you can register to and play with me between June 15th and July 14th. And if you listen and hear this at any point after or during, still join me. Go to claudiasamsoulcoaching.com forward slash ego versus soul ego vs soul and you can also watch the videos that i've been playing with since april 17th 2022 now we're on day 55 of dancing with ego and soul you can watch my videos on my personal facebook page go to my page claudia sam cataford sove i'm so looking forward to seeing you there and getting to know you more thank you and here's to more self-love you've been listening to the be happy now show with me Claudia Sam 